Welcome to Design Talk. This season's theme is Designing Organizations. We'll be talking with entrepreneurs and product owners about building teams, shaping organizations, working with partners, suppliers, and customers. Welcome to today's podcast. I'm Connor. And I'm Gary. And our guest today is David Nyaluka. David is the UCD Proudly Made in Africa Fellow in Business and Development. Um, you're very welcome to the podcast, David. Could you say a few words about yourself and PMIA? Uh, so I am David Nyaluke. I'm currently the UCD and the Proudly Made in Africa Fellow in Business and uh, Development. Uh, I am in this role now almost five years, teaching in UCD, uh, business school, both uh, Smurfit and, and the Queen. But also I go to other business schools and uh, business schools, uh, business departments in, in Ireland, in various uh, universities, uh, institutes of technology. And there I teach on doing business in and with Africa and sustainable development. Perfect. Thank you. Um, can you start by just bringing us up to speed on the countries, the politics and the economics of Africa? Indeed, indeed. Um, yeah, Africa has, has come a long way and uh, uh, we have seen a major transformation, uh, particularly in the 1990s. Uh, many countries really transformed uh, their, their political uh, and economic uh, uh, systems. Uh, but generally, to begin with, uh, the key transformation is that uh, the whole country became very peaceful. It became very peaceful. A lot of conflicts that were there uh, back in the 1970s, 1980s, most of them ended in 1990. You talk about countries like uh, Angola, Mozambique. Uh, these countries have been uh, fighting wars since they got independence in the 70s. And then come 1990, uh, their conflicts were, were resolved. And then you look at countries like Rwanda, which uh, had genocide back in 1994. Uh, also, immediately after that in 1995, 1996, its conflict also ended and you see focus on development. So the whole of, of peaceful transformation in Africa became a very, very good thing for development and the economic development there in the continent. But also countries transformed their political systems, allowing for more a liberal, a, a liberal kind of a, a setting where people are more free to, uh, to form different political parties, to form associations. But also there was a big drive towards privatization, to allow private sector to be the key driver of development. And also, I think also African countries try to attract a lot of uh, investment uh, into the continent. So all that transformation, and then also we see, uh, again, the coming of technology as well in Africa, mobile phone uh, being particularly important, and then also the coming of internet also at the same time, 1990s, um, uh, particularly from two southerns. All this transformation really brought a very good dynamic in terms of uh, uh, economic de development in the African uh, countries. Uh, so in this class, we've heard varying perspectives on how countries uh, are affected both positively and negatively from uh, global trade. Uh, could you perhaps illustrate some of the arguments for and against global trade in relation to Africa and its effect on Africa? Yes, yeah, so indeed the global trade for Africa uh, it it has not been working well since since you can say particular since colonialism. 
since colonialism. And maybe you can go back a little bit and say this also since uh, slavery. Because uh, those kind of uh, systems that, you know, Africa became exposed to uh, in relations with the European countries, uh, we are not a business that is a, a shared value business, a business that is a pushing for prosperity for both sides uh, of the people that are participating in the business. Slavery really did a lot of damage to the, to the African uh, continent in terms of taking away the, the uh, uh, big labor forces to other, to other places destabilizing the peace in the continent. Uh, the same time with colonialism, uh, colonialism was also resisted by people. You know, when, when the, the colonists came to, to Africa, there was resistance to this, uh, to, 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 to being colonized by, by other people. But when colonialism happened, again, we see that, you know, what happened was exploitation of African resources to other places. So those two episodes were not beneficial to Africa. And then after colonialism, what we see is that uh, there is a mix. There's a mix where Africa is benefiting from the international trade, uh, but still, to a large extent, it hasn't been beneficial in the sense that Africa has been mainly the producer of raw material for the other markets. And that because Africa has not been really adding value to what it sends abroad, then it doesn't really get a lot of value from uh, its business. So, for example, you look at cocoa and the chocolate business. The chocolate business up, up to last year, it is it was a 200 billion US dollars uh, market. And most of that money remains in Europe and America where chocolate is made. But where Africa just uh, sends out 70% uh, of its cocoa, Africa only gets maybe 10% of value from that production. But if Africa was manufacturing chocolate, if most of the chocolate was manufactured in Africa, Africa would get almost more than 50% of the of the value. So if you're talking about 200 billion, Africa would be getting 100 billion of that 200 uh, billion of US uh, uh, of US uh, dollars. So that would make a huge difference in terms of uh, development in Africa. It will even make a, a huge difference in terms of the the very people that produce cocoa. You know, because most of the cocoa farmers are still struggling even though they underpin the most lucrative and the most um, profitable uh, business in the world. So, 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 so that is the, the side of the argument uh, against the that Africa is not benefiting. What's, what's what's the other side, in your opinion, for global trade? Yeah. So, for so, what is for global trade now? What what we are seeing, uh, particularly with the with the with the also further developments in Africa, uh, also with the with the, even the coming of internet, the coming of mobile phone in Africa, uh, we are seeing that Africa beginning to benefit from these from these systems. The, the coming of mobile phone. In fact, uh, the the first person to build mobile phone in Africa was an African uh, gentleman, uh, Mr. Mo Ibrahim, who is from Sudan. You know, uh, you know, you know when 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 mobile phones were coming to Africa, uh, the big companies that were already there, like Vodafone. Uh, you know all this French, uh, orange, uh, French, and BT. They ruled out Africa as a as a as a market for mobile phone. But this gentleman from Africa, he started the first mobile phone in Africa, and he, you know, sooner than sooner, it was it was not long that he become a billionaire. So really benefiting from that 
and then other companies followed on. And then we had Vodafone. They came in Africa. They began, you know, operating, but also they they set up this uh, money transfer business. And that money transfer business actually is very beneficial to to Africa, to, to to the African market. And some of that technology now is being taken and brought to outside market. So you see that Africa uh, beginning to benefit from these. Uh, uh, developments, including the internet. Now, internet, because it's more open, as we say there, it goes almost in the spirit of Ubuntu that is open for everybody. So even Africa is benefiting from the development of uh, internet. Um, so a slightly off-topic question, but um, is the Ubuntu Linux distribution an African initiative? Uh, Ubuntu Linux initiative is, uh, is called Ubuntu, definitely, and Ubuntu is an African uh, word. And that word is a, is a traditional word that means uh, humanity. So Ubuntu, it means to, uh, Ubuntu Mutu, it means to be human. And uh, in, in, the, in this particular setting in Africa, everybody is supposed to behave as, a, as, a, as human. Uh, uh, to be human then is to be kind, is to be generous, is to share, is to care about others, is to care about the community. Uh, so I think that word was taken to say that Ubuntu Linux, uh, meaning uh, that, you know, it is really about sharing and uh, caring about, about other people and the community. And I think that is the spirit of uh, this kind of commonly shared uh, uh, software and, and the other things that we share as commons, uh, as supporting humanity and supporting our communities and, and our people as a whole. So what characteristics make Africa an attractive um, place for business and a digital economy? So, so you are seeing in Africa, uh, first of all, as, as I said there, in Africa, we kind of leapfrogged because we didn't have a lot of wire phones. So once you brought mobile phone technology, that became very, very good. So that brought, you know, kind of, because we didn't have a lot of uh, uh, old but not efficient infrastructure, like, you know, wire phones. We did have a lot of that. So we immediately began with the with the with the mobile phone. So that brought a lot of uh, a lot of development uh, there. And then you are seeing other areas where we are, we need a lot of infrastructure to be to be built. That is also areas of uh, investment. We have a lot of youthful population growing. So all these people are are very good for you know for labor forces. They are also very good for development in terms of technologies. So a lot of them now they are using a mobile phone. They are developing apps. Uh, uh, all that you know, youthful population. Uh, there is a growing middle class in Africa, so that is also generating, uh, generating uh, a market, but also generating and powering the the economies in Africa. Billionaires that are also gener- uh, coming up, they are also uh, you know generating business, and also there is also that the traditional people that are there. And the people lured out them as a market, like the bottom of the pyramid, the base of the pyramid market. Like, you know, you go to people like Maasai. The Maasai, you know, from outside, they might seem to be poor because, of course, they dress simple, they live simple life. But these people have a, a lot of li- livestock. You know, they have a lot of livestock, and the livestock is good money. There is an Irish company here from Ireland that is doing very good business with the, the Maasai in, in Africa, uh, in Tanzania and Kenya, but also they do business with the same kind of uh, people in Ethiopia, they go up to Ghana, they go up to Nigeria. There's a lot of these people that have livestock, and this company from Ireland is doing very good business of uh, medicine, selling to these uh, to these people. Uh, so, you know, quite an interesting market there uh, 
in with opportunities in various areas because development is happening at a fast rate in this particular moment. And there is peace, all that condition that is needed for, for development. The government are transforming their, their, their political and economic systems. So that is becoming even better for, for investment uh, in, the, in the continent. What challenges remain for Africa? Yeah, in terms of the digital economy, uh, the challenge that remains for Africa is still the, 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 the connectivity, the basic infrastructure is there. But really what is happening there is to make these systems more efficient and also to make these systems more accessible, you know, because here we here we are even counting the people that are using smartphones. You know, there's people that are using smartphones, which is a sizable number of people, but still not everybody is able to afford smartphones. So a lot of opportunity there to uh, produce, generate, for example, smartphone, because many people there in Africa, they access mobile phone and the internet in the uh, in the internet, especially they uh, they access it in the in the mobile phone. Uh, so so there is need of a mobile phone. And for now for now for now, for example, the Chinese are the ones that are selling uh, most of these of these phones in in Africa. So I would say making the systems efficient, particularly to have good connectivity, uh, and then also uh, reception facilities like you know smartphone uh, availability, uh, and also maybe to be to, to spread this this technology maybe in in the school systems uh, and also maybe university systems uh, and and everywhere you know that where people can can be able to use this uh, information because it really gives a, a shortcut of people being able to access the, the the information but also now we are seeing also people using these platforms to sell uh, products people can order things online that are made in Africa uh, from the the digital uh, platforms, uh, yes. So, so there is a lot of opportunity there, but uh, a few things need to happen for it to be tapped uh, more uh, efficiently and more beneficial to the majority of the population. Uh, can you tell, for some of our listeners who don't know about Jumia, can you tell us a bit about the Jumia story and how they've progressed uh, into the massive uh, company they are today? Yes, indeed. So Jumia is a is a yeah. We we call it is an attempt to make an Amazon a, a Amazon type of business in in Africa, a platform that you know where people can buy and sell uh, uh, products. Uh, so they began uh, later in the in the in the two thousands, and they they kind of you know began with confidence. They 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 floated their their uh, their shares in the in the stock markets in, in New York there. Uh, but at the beginning, you know, it, 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 it failed uh, because the, uh, in fact, you know, it, 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 it went really down uh, because it wasn't as, 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 as strong as it was expected. Yeah. And I think this was the, you know, many people could give different reasons, but I think this is also was to the fact that, you know, it was a new platform uh, that also did not really make a lot of roots within the continent of Africa itself. Uh, and then we see that Jumuya uh, beginning to make a lot of strides uh, post, uh, during COVID and post-COVID. So it's the same like Zoom. You develop a business like Zoom, uh, which at the beginning wasn't really a big uh, buy from, from most people, but then comes a situation like COVID, Zoom becomes a, a, big, a, big, uh, a big platform. Uh, the same with Amazon, you know, it, 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 it the same with the Jumia. It began 
but even a lot of uh, people there that were, were not using it. So in Africa, for example, we are talking about a, a, a middle class, like a three, three, 350 million people plus. Yeah, 350 million people plus. These are the people that could use Yumia, but most of them were not using it. But when COVID came, you know, both middle class and some of the people that are on the edges of middle class began using the online platform to order things and get things delivered to their to their homes. So immediately Jumuya uh, rose and now is is big and I think they've they've floated back again in the in the New York Exchange and they are they are doing good. They're doing very very good post COVID. That also you know has become became the, the the kind of a place where they generate growth. So. Returning to your own organization, Proudly Made in Africa, and the idea of impact sourcing, um, what advice do you give to organizations seeking to work with suppliers in Africa? Yeah, just like the, the way we operate in, in Proudly Made in Africa, we are, we are very keen on ethics. And, and as I saying, as you said, their impact. So we want, uh, first of all, when we source in Africa, we want value-added products. So these products are made in Africa. So basically, they give a, a good amount of uh, shares in Africa. So it's made in Africa, so it gives at least more than 50% of value in Africa. So really supporting communities and the businesses and the economy uh, in Africa. So that's number one for, for us. Then we work with the producers that we know. So we, we go to Africa, we assess, uh, we see the production places, we assess them. We give them advice in terms of health and safety. We also engage with these people in terms of, uh, you know, uh, other things like child labor, uh, other things like, you know, fair wage that people are, are paid. So we make sure that, you know, the, the supply system there is really uh, sustainable in both the human and uh, environmental uh, conditions. And then we begin engaging with this supply. It's a process that takes time. But it pays on because later on we have a relationship that is is sustainable and that is all of us are sure of what has happening in the supply system. So I would say the same would, would apply to to other people that want to to be to, to get products from Africa. Develop relations with these people. It takes time, but because you have checked everything end of the day, this relations become sustainable and there's something that you can stand up for and say, you know, we are doing uh, something that is impactful, something that is ethical because you know you are, you are suppliers A to Z up to the point where they bring the products to you. So, so that is something that is a very, very important. And I think now we are talking about uh, sustainability globally. All these things are very important to, to ensure that we, we care for the planet and that we care for the people and the communities, you know, so that is a that is becoming much more the role of uh, uh, of ourselves and and the business that we are we are we are doing. Perfect. Um. So, is a social enterprise like proudly made in Africa a more effective vehicle of generating change than, say, traditional government institutions? So traditional government institutions. Uh, they have the role, the government have the role, uh, because, he, of course, they are the one that are taking overall care of, um, of the environment in which we are operating. They can, they can, they, they, they police the, the regulations, you know, they, they use the, the power of the, of the government and the laws to, to police the, the environment uh, that we are operating in, the laws, the regulations. 
they also they can support they also build infrastructure so you know there is that role of the government but then when it comes to social enterprise i would say we are we are more uh, we, we 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 focus more on shared value especially when it comes to africa as you know this continent uh, most of its resources from colonial time has been taken abroad without it benefiting so so we are more a shared value uh, institution that you know africa should should get a fair share of uh, trade uh, particularly from its resources that it, it is it 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 has uh, and and the people there that are working uh, to support this uh, supply chain so that is that is the main thing that we are we are we are focused on and also i think we we really insist on the role of the government in terms of what they can do regulations uh, making a good taxes uh, system distributing the, the taxes system so so really we are more on the kind of a private sector uh, than the government. The government has to do with their role, and we as a private sector and the business, we can influence more the other business as well with our philosophy of a shared value. That, you know, we have to share value because if we don't share value, despite of the people of Africa and the people in Latin America and Asia, they will be working hard and they will still remain poor. And also we will say, oh, we want to save the planet. We can't save the planet while we, we, we haven't even been able to save the people that are, are fellow citizens in the globe that are, are working, but they don't get a fair share in the trade system. Okay, um, I think that's everything from our end, uh, David. I think we'll wrap up there. Thank you very much uh, for inviting me to the, to the, to the podcast. And uh, I really also welcome, you know, maybe the people that will be listening to this to follow us, maybe, and uh, we can be able to engage further because these are, these are, I think, it's, it's kind of starting discussions. So really a pleasure uh, to you to host me this, this morning. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Design Talk. The music used is Check Them In by Emma Grace. Credits and links in the show notes. Thank you.